it's okay for men to be vulnerable. Yeah. And if you need to cry, <laughs> you cry. Right. And yes. And number two is that um, men to do go through um, abuse, yeah. maybe emotional, financial, physical, or you name it. It is okay to seek for the appropriate help. Do not wait until it's too late. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Yeah. And then you, you are not screaming. You yeah. are not shouting. Yeah. I think what even made them believe was because they saw the blood, the blood on the back yeah. of my neck. And you know what they did? They were the ones who cleaned the blood while waiting because they, was, they were like, what do you need? I said, I need to go to the hospital. Oh. So they were the ones who called for an ambulance. So I, so what I learned later, which I did not even know, was that if the police had come or whatever and they saw the blood and stuff, that they would have, she would have been arrested. Yeah, like she almost would have been was, arrested. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so they were actually trying to protect her. The manager was another lady too. So they helped, they cleaned it, and an amb- they called an ambulance about 5, 10, 15 minutes later, an ambulance came there. They took my blood pressure. It was so high. I still have that paper. Goodness. It was so high. It was, it was nearing... What do you call it? Diastolic, systolic, the, the yeah, top number was really high. Systolic and diastolic. Yeah, yeah, so they asked me to sit as calm as I could. You know, they say as calm as a cucumber. I had to, because now I'm thinking of myself. Yeah. You know, if anything happens to me, you know, it is going to be me. So I just stayed as calm as possible. And so the ambulance took, uh, called the police officer. The police officer came, gave me some paper. You just like, okay, you can press charges and we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they gave me the paper to press charges, which I did not. <laughs> she does not even know that. The ambulance took me to the hospital. And, um, and, um, and yeah, I was in the hospital the, the whole other day. I think by evening, I was, I was discharged. And um, from that point of discharge, I went straight to, um, I went straight to the court that mm. same night to just get a protective order right. against her. Because I... T- it was everything going on. People yeah. do not understand. It, it, it's different when, you know, when, you, you know, it's it, abuse is different in different ways. When you think about it, it wasn't so much the pain, but we start thinking that, what does this person think about me? Yeah. Like, that, that they could disrespect you to, yeah. um, to, that, to that level. And I'm there, all kinds of thoughts were going through my mind. Divorce was not even the divorce was not the first, second, third, fourth, fifth. When I say all kinds of, I mean all kinds of emotions. I did not even know what to do. 
seriously, I did not even know what to do. Oh and goodness. because if I was, if divorce was the very first thing, immediately I got a protective order. I would have gone straight to, you know, I would have just got an attorney straight. And then, you know, within a couple of days, they get the, how do you say it in, in, in my state, you get a limited divorce mm. and, and things like that. But that, that came like, it, it, not even within the first year, it was probably after like two years or so that some other processes got in. I just didn't know what was going on. I was just trying to figure out uh, um, um, things. So wherever she went, (laughs) um, by the time she came back, I was not home. I was just avoiding the situation. So she sent me a text message that, uh, you know, sorry that I hit you. And she told me, yes, sorry that I hit you. And then she um, told me where she was going. It was going, she was going to one of my friends' um, place. Um, and so, so, but I, I, there's so much going on in between. But by the yeah. time I saw my children, the first one had a very big red mark on his cheek. In that anger, he also, she spanked him in. I don't know what, well, I'm, talk, I'm saying that both kids were less than four years old. Whatever happened in that car for, a, for that child who is looking up just as an adult, she got him well spanked. I don't know how many spanks. So by the, time the, by the time I saw my son and, you know, we're like, what's going on? And then she started narrating, you know, trying in his own way that he could, you know, what, you know, what mommy did to, to him and things like that. Oh, so yes. you start thinking about that. I, I'm saying this. You start thinking, okay, so what did that child, what did that child do? Yeah. Or, okay, well, where did that kind of rage come from? If this is someone who had told me repeatedly in the, over the years in a relationship that hurt people hurt others. So she had not got out whatever was going on within her the, the, um, the right way. The so every everybody around her becomes a target. Because like, like you already know, sometimes um, domestic violence happens because sometimes someone can just perceive your point of view as something that is threatening to them and they can just attack you, not knowing that they are the ones who are wrong yeah. before you start talking about things that are obvious abuse. So I think she was in a place, you know, where she was actually out of touch with reality. I cannot prove it. I'm not the expert. So let me just limit myself with this because I, it was, it was, it was very evident that whatever traumas she had gone through over time, it was really affecting her. It doesn't show she's a very smart person. There's a lot of things that she does well. So it kind of masks other things and some things don't really show if it's a, some things don't really show until you are in a relationship. So it, it did not affect her job. She did well. Mm. <laughs> it was only when she gets into a relationship with a man, then those things about whoever did what to her, you know, all of those things start coming again. And unfortunately, you know, as it would be, you know, my son, <laughs> my son and myself seem to be like the number one sufferers, you know, of her anger, of her rage and, and, and things like that. It was a... It was a very long journey, to just to say the least. Emotionally, you know, in, in, in my in my in my thoughts, in my emotions, I had to think through my mental stability. Even after, you know, when you know, I got a protective order you, you, and, and things like that. When she would come to pick up the kids, I, I would be very, I would be very careful. Though, in fact, there was a point where I would actually send another adult, you know, to 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 to, to give the kids to her. There was a day, whatever happened, I think it was whatever happened to a car outside of, of the house. I locked all the windows and I had to call one of my friends that 
she's outside. I hope she's not trying to do something violent. Yeah. So, so those are the effects that people don't really see. Yeah. That, that's a trauma. It, because how do you show it? It's not something that it's physical. It's yeah. not something that happens every moment. Yeah. But you just realize that suddenly, suddenly you're in a different space. Yeah. In, in a space of fear, fear. But you want to man up and things like that. How do you tell the next person? Because yeah. every person who knew it after that, male, female, our close friends, you know, everyone is trying to, was only trying to get me to fix it. You right. know, she's gone and cried and manipulated almost everyone around. And, and then now all eyes are on, and then all eyes are on me. And then I'm like, wait a minute. If, if A abandons B, <laughs> A goes about with their life for one, two, three, four, how many other months or years? And then B takes some decisions. How come you see Kambe to B, to be accusing yeah. B? A choose their life independent of B, even though A had promised to be together with B. So those were those were the things, you know. Yeah. And I, I just saw another side of life when they talk of experience. Yeah. If you cannot really experience something, never you said I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. Right, right. And you might have experienced the same thing, but it's a different, how do you say it? But it's a different ex- experience, yeah. you know. Everybody's Some experience people, is relative. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. So, oh yeah, it was a journey. It oh, was a goodness. journey. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is basically a lot of things you said are relative, are very new to me. You know, because I know all through these years um, that I've known you. Yeah. I mean, we always talk. You're always so jovial. Like you have never ever yep. given any sign of distress any sign of you being in such a situation and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I mean, our friendship also has always be- basically always been on, you know, I, I, it hasn't been deep enough from my judgment, from what you've been yeah. through, because if it was deep enough, I should have known those things. And um, yeah. I, I feel like, I probably wasn't checking on you as much. And also, I mean, um, I really, I mean, yeah, I have a podcast. I ask questions, but when it comes to being nosy, especially about people's private life, I really don't like yeah. being nosy. You know, if you want to talk to me about something, you talk to me about it, but I would never be the person to ask or try to be nosy to know yeah. what people are doing in their private lives. I mean, this also happens even to the closest of friends that I have. Like, I really yeah. don't try to ask too many questions because sometimes asking questions could just trigger people or could maybe indirectly put pressure on people and stuff like that so i tend to be very very careful but this is definitely a lesson um on my part because sometimes when we you know close out on personal things like that then it it actually um isolates the friend you know and on the other hand i mean it's fair enough that you don't want to be too nosy into people's private private lives unless they are comfortable t- talking to you about but i definitely have learned the lesson to always check on your friends i mean sometimes if you have that conviction that hey i need to check on this person because every time when i just ask how are the wife and kids you're like oh yeah they're good they're good they're, that's fine you know and, yeah. we, and we keep it moving you know but yeah. i never really got into hey are you okay or you know everything good and stuff like that i mean you didn't even show any signs of that to no, me, so i didn't no, really I have didn't. a reason you know what i mean but i am so yeah. sorry that you actually went through all of this um there were so many things that you said which um i totally agree on and there were a few things that i really wanted to highlight um especially um 
when you're talking about the beautiful buildings, when you're talking about the beautiful buildings with crumbling foundations, because um, when I, you know, when you got married, I, I cannot forget when I saw the pictures and everything, I was so happy, you know, I mean, not, I didn't even know her, but I trusted you enough to pick the best wife, right? You probably yeah. trusted yourself as well, you know? Oh, yeah. So uh, I was just so happy for you. You had your children. I mean, I, I was I was so happy and, you know, I, I, I was just like, you know thinking about the same thing that we see all these other relationships, especially though, I mean, you weren't like showing up. You were probably sharing those pictures to share with your friends and family, of course, you know, yeah. but you know, there are some people that specifically on social media, they always want to prove a point um, that they're happy, you know, yeah. and they want to be couple goals and stuff like that. And I just wanted to let the listeners know that there are actually so many beautiful buildings with crumbling foundations on social media and mm-hmm. people choose to show you just exactly what they want you to know. But, when you look at these beautiful couples on the outside of beautiful buildings um they are literally crumbling their foundations are crumbling on the back end so we have to be very careful about the couples that we refer to as goals because um what you see on the outside is not exactly what there is on the inside and so we should spend more time working on ourselves to be the best person or best partner we can be for our significant others or for our friends and stuff like that. So um, this is definitely a life lesson. And, you know, all of these things you're telling me, I mean, I know people are different in relationships than in friendships and stuff, but I just can't, I, I still cannot bring myself to see you going through this. I don't think I've ever seen you in an argument before. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, 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 I could probably say that on behalf of a lot of your friends. I don't think you're, yeah. you're, you're always a peacemaker. Yeah. If anything, you're always a peacemaker. So yeah. I don't even see you in an argument, talk less of a violent argument or an abusive argument. You know, yeah. um, it's, you know, everything you have told me, I probably will need like some time, a very long time to sit back and like put two and two together because I just cannot see someone like you in an argument i mean we're not perfect we have emotions at the end of the day we're humans you know yeah. but um it's it's something that I'll, I'll need some time you know um to really look into to, to really understand why and how that happened because i probably will go back and re-listen to this episode because these yeah. are definitely things that i'm hearing for the first time and to say the least i am utterly disheartened and shocked and i, I i'm definitely understating you know um but you know talking about the kids you know i one of the questions i actually had was you know with kids involved and stuff you know i thought maybe things changed but it seems like things did not change things actually got worse you know so um to really um to 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 compromise those kids innocence that's yeah. something that really broke my heart you know i think of my little nieces and nephews my niece is four years old she knows so much and she is a talkative <laughs> she talks so much like it's unbelievable so to know how much she knows and um to expose her to that kind of environment i can definitely see that impacting her in a very negative way you know yeah. and um to see that this woman almost killed you you know mm-hmm. In front of the children, like, I, I just don't understand. I just do not understand. And again, if, let's just say, all things being equal and everything, if you retaliate, it's not like you couldn't retaliate. It's not like yeah. she, it's not like you couldn't actually get her beaten. But number mm-hmm. one, that's just not who you are. And this is a very um, powerful example of not letting people um, 
change who you are because that was a perfect opportunity for you to hit her back but you chose not to because that's not who you are and um on the second part it's like of course the legal system i just want to let especially the african people know like the legal system sometimes most times actually in america for example actually favors a woman more than the man tends to favor the woman more than the man so if regardless of how much she laid hands on you if you literally just spanked her and she screamed if the cops came they most likely would have taken you to jail instead of her you know so that was the primary i believe that was a primary reason as well in addition to the fact that that's not who you are i believe that you also did not want to implicate yourself and you were also protecting your children you know which is a very commendable thing um to do i don't i i hope that every man listening to this episode um or listening to you as a whole because we're gonna have more than one episode but i hope that every man can really appreciate the power of that moment even though your life was at stake even though your life was in risk but it takes a strong man it takes a real man to to not react it takes a real man to handle it the way you did. And yeah. I just want to commend you for that. Now, um, I mean, with everything going on, you know, when you were going through the whole ordeal, I yeah. know, especially with kids involved, it must have been very difficult to make certain rational decisions or at least certain quick decisions, like in terms of divorce. I mean, the right thing you did was to find, to file that restraining order or something. Or I think it's a restraining order, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. But um, now, you know, in terms of like the divorce and stuff, like how did you, um, you know, how, how, how did you come about, you know, just saying that, you know what, right now I just care about myself, you know, whatever happens to the kids, we'll figure it out, but I need to get out of this um, relationship as soon as possible. Yeah. So like you say, sometimes it's it's like watching this question sometimes it reminds you of like watching a movie you know it takes it takes 30 seconds for someone to fly from los angeles to (laughs) to maybe to um heathrow airport but but, you know that's we're talking about a couple of hours and so like everything we're talking is like a compression because every step every step was a process and nothing i i did not premeditate i did not even imagine you know, even when everything was going on first of all i come from a background from my mom's side my dad's side and there's no history of divorce so yeah. you can just imagine how difficult the process was i mean not even because of, i mean well in addition to that I, i'm not a proponent of divorce yes i'm divorced i have an ex-wife so it is not like you know i'm like oh you out there the least thing that happens no 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 i i tried yeah you know several intervention steps even the one that I thought I was going to die when the adultery when the adultery happened. Did I see red signs even before marriage? Oh yes, I did. But mm. you know, I I switched that. I turned that. I switched it off and mm. things like that. So, but you know, with everything, I tried. I tried. I tried to get some people involved that I thought she could listen to. But everything turned um, against me, just to say the least. Yeah. Um, so, but just coming back to this, like you, it's interesting. You made a comment that you know that should that, that should she almost killed me. She has made that comment when she was talking to to someone. Those things all got back to me. She was like, hmm. she doesn't know what came upon her. That if she had a weapon in her hands, she would have even killed me. Oh so she goodness. was actually really acknowledging, you know, how much you know, how much <laughs> rage, you mm. know, was, was in her. So, but with the kids involved, I would go ahead of myself a little bit. Like I mentioned at the time, 
both kids were less than four. But when my son turned, when my son was six years old, there was a day he was like, Daddy, I know what happened before you, I know why you and mom um, no longer live together because I know what happened. So you would think, ah, oh, this was, <laughs> this, this child was too young. That's yeah. even what the legal system was saying. Oh, these children are too young. You know, they, they're going to forget everything. I, I think that is, I, they just say stuff. You cannot really put your children or your family in the hands of a third party, yeah. you know, who doesn't have the same goals or visions. They just say stuff to get the process going and things and things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the psychologists and all of those things, we, we agree with that point of view because my son mentioned when he was six, nothing. I mean, from the time it happened, every, he never, I mean, never even said something indirectly. I mean, that day, there was nothing related to the conversation. I don't sit with him and start talking about his mom. Yeah. Good, bad, or ugly. No, I focus on our children. So it just gives you an idea of how this can, can affect, um, can affect um, children sometimes. Yeah. I know you asked about the legal system that I was just talking about, the, yeah. the children part. And yeah, and not what, necessarily what, even the legal system because we're going to talk about that in the divorce, but just okay. more, more about like you, what, you know, everything that led you to make that final decision of yes. like, you know what, I just want to file for the divorce. Oh, thank you for bringing me back on track. Mm-hmm. Again, like everything was a process. Like what when I got the protect the protective order, I mean, it was first it was first temporary for I believe two weeks. Then it was extended to a year. That's the max mm-hmm. they give it. That's legal. Literally, they're telling you that we're giving you time to do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, I mean, I was giving custody to the kids, but right then the judge was like, "So, what do I have to say?" I told the judge, I'm not trying to keep them away from their mom. She, did, she didn't have any say at that point because it was obvious, it was evident what had happened. Yeah. So I'm saying all of these things, but I, I, I had not even filed for divorce. This was when the final protective order was being, you know, was being given. And then the judge was like, don't, don't do that again. Okay. She was like, yes, and whatever, whatever. And because I, I said, I'm not trying to keep the kids away from their mom. So the judge was like, okay, we're going to send you to so and so to help to arrange, you know, custody arrangements because the kids were given to me, but how should we sing them? From that point on, I'm, I'm going ahead of myself a little bit, but from that point on, that was it. The, <laughs> this, I've forgotten how the legal system called the person, but it's some kind of case case worker in, in, in court. Mm. But from that point on, she was really trying to turn every paperwork in favor of the of my of my then um, estranged wife because we we're just separated then. So they're mm. just coming back. All, all of this was a process because I was thinking like what led me to the divorce? What I can tell you is that when that incident happened, you know that day, in yeah. my mind I was like, I, I don't know how I can live with this person again in the same house. I might sleep and not wake up. Yeah. What I do not mention is that there were a couple of times that I fled the house and I slept in the car just wow. to avoid her rage. That happened a couple of times, even before, you know, before that, the stroke that broke the camels, the camels back. So I know what I was telling myself was that I don't see how I can live with this person, but I don't know what was going to uh, go on next. So, but, we, for the, we went for the protective order was given first of all two weeks temporary, you know, I think, and then and then it was extended to a year, and and I, and I just didn't know, I, I didn't know what to do. All I knew 
like I'm saying to you now, it's an easy question, but all I knew was that I don't know how I can live with this person. I wasn't even thinking about the divorce process. Mm-hmm. So, but as the months went by during this whole separation, um, separation period, you know, I noticed even more things because the kids spent more time with me. So she, <laughs> so she, the time that she had to spend with them, she chose abandoning them even more. Wow. And then as time went, yes, like, like she would not come and take them when she had, when I spent time with them. I think she was trying to use the children to punish me. Hmm. So, which was a big mistake because it just gave me more time to really spend with them and yeah. build a very, very solid relationship, relationship. with, um, with my kids. Yeah. So, but as the months went by, she started looking for loopholes. If you know what I mean, mm. that's how vicious, that's how vicious she was. She, she, I mean, not that it worked, but you would have thought that that would have been the point for me to actually just rush and yeah. file. Yeah. Yes. So after one year of, of separation, the um, protective order had expired. She came to pick up the children because now there was no order binding them. She yeah. took the children. She had to bring them back on a Sunday. And she just, she, she, I waited. She didn't bring them back. And I was like, when are you getting here? And then she was like, the protective order is now expired. What? So, yeah. So she kept the children away from me. I didn't see them for three weeks. Whoa. And I tried to get the police involved. I tried to get, you know, the legal system involved. And at that point, what they told me was that, well, or, or let me go back to my home part. If, if I had already filed for divorce before the expiration, I would have saved myself that headache. Yeah. Because what when the police came, all they could do was a there's a word they use for it. They just they they they, they just called to make sure that the children were with her. Mm-hmm. I did not have any document to show that they had to be with me legally. But so long mm-hmm. as that was the other legal um, guardian, their mom, they cannot just go and just take the children from her and bring to me, even though she didn't bring the children back to me. So I had to just wait it out until they were going to school because everything about it, I mean, from doctor's visits, name, you name it, to whatever, I extracurricular activities, their school, I was doing all of that. Hmm. I was doing all of that. So when she, she withdrew them, she, she could not bring them back to school because she was trying to keep them away from me. And then she was trying to use them now as a bait. She started sending hmm. me emails about us getting together. It was just drama. Oh my goodness. Trust me. Oh no, it was just drama. It was just drama. This is somebody who anyway, so um that was the point where it finally hit me, which I would say like a little bit too late because I had seen enough before the marriage. Yeah. I had seen a whole lot more during, during the, the marriage. marriage yeah. And then we are separated. And then I was just I was too hesitant and I I knew where that hesitancy came from. It's just the fact that how do I introduced divorce in a family lineage. If I look on my mother's side, the whole line, my, my, my father's side, the whole line, there's no evidence of So all of that was really, really playing in my mind a whole lot. But I just knew I didn't want to, I could not live with her again. Right. So I was separated from the children for three weeks. And then I, um, how did I even get them back? She finally changed their school. I mean, well, what? as if the trauma wasn't enough already. So much instability within within a short period of time in the in the children's life. When she put them in another school and I learned of their address, I just went there and picked them up. No one so can come and take them from me yeah. because I'm the I'm their legal and their dad and the biological um dad. Yeah. So from long story short, from that point on, that was when it finally dawned on me that you know what, we are we are done. Because wow. 
the cycle was Toxic. vicious. When I say vicious, I mean vicious. She brought every line from the book, every trick of the book. She got an attorney and all kinds of, because with, from every evidence with what she had done to the child and what she had done to me, you know, those kids had to stay with me um, full custody, even though that's not the biggest part of the whole this thing. But I'm saying that it was a torturous, you know, journey, uh, you know, very adversarial journey, you know, to go through the whole to go through the whole divorce process. But from that point where she took the kids and never brought them back, it, it was clear. That, that was when I finally concluded that if this lady has an opportunity you know, to just drop something, you know how you do something to someone and then they go, something happens to them elsewhere, so you don't take the responsibility yeah. for it. That, the, yeah, so it was that bad. It was that terrible. But I mean, I think I made the decision. I'm just being honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I made that decision a little bit too late. Because even after that that that, that separation, um, I think I would have, you know, probably just just filed and really just it would have brought even more stability in the lives of the children and and things like that. So, but it was really that point, you know, one year after the separation, I did not file for any divorce. When she withheld the children from me, that was actually when I started taking some, you know, taking some steps, you know, towards um, filing for for um, for a divorce. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, oh my goodness. Um, thank you so much for, you know, really, really talking about this. I, I can't stop thanking you because it's just, it, it, hearing this feels so surreal. I mean, if yeah. anybody knows you, like, and they hear this story, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is definitely not Femi. This is not who I know, you know. I'm telling and, you. I mean, you know, they're, they're, you know <laughs> sometimes there are some people that when they go through something, um, you the first question is like you know them well enough to know that they probably instigated something and you, you'll be like what did you do or something like that which is yeah which is also not the best question to ask you know <laughs> yeah but i mean in this situation it's like the first thing that comes up to mind is like why like why would you go through like why would god even let you to go through this kind of thing or why would you, you know? go through this kind of thing you know but hey, those are all questions that we may never have answers to. Now, let me yeah. take you like maybe one or two steps back. I mean, we've spoken about so much. We've spoken about the emotional abuse. Well, we're still going to touch on that. We've spoken yeah. about the physical abuse. We've spoken about the verbal abuse. Now, tell us about the adultery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Do you mean the adultery during courtship, long distance relationship, or okay. the one during the relationship? Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was it was just it was smelling all about the place, and um, I, honestly, I, <laughs> I I don't know, I don't know where to begin, but I know where to begin. So because even during there were a lot of red flags, even during the long distance courtship, you know. And I started wondering if people leave a previous relationship, don't you have a proper closure to move on? Otherwise right. you otherwise you move you move on, but you not really move forward. Oh let me say maybe the other way around. You move forward with your life, but you have not really moved on mentally. That that person is still stuck in your in, in your mind. So mm. I found myself in this place. I don't know, again, like I've said so many times, what I was thinking. Because it, it looks like it looks like it was just, <laughs> it looks like there were so many of us 
if you know what I mean. She was in the yes, she was in oh the UK. Goodness, I was there, it's so funny yeah. to hear that. It's not yeah. a funny situation, but really <laughs> yeah. Oh but goodness. it looks like I was the only suitor. I was the only one. I was the only one the talking about marriage. One, yes. yes. Um, but the, this person from this person from A, the previous person from B, from C, from D, and I was like, wow, this lady has capacity. How many men can you handle at once? And yeah. sometimes you, you, this is still long distance, but you, we could already smell all of that because sometimes you, you, you lie so much that you contradict yourself. Right. So there was already a lot, a lot, a lot. But now when she moved here, um, we got married, you know, you know, we started living together and stuff like that, you know. And then um, she started going to school um, somewhere, and um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I will just keep to. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. but I will just keep to one or two, one or two of them, you know, because school, the school she started going. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just messy. Uh, it's if you are not able to introduce someone to your husband or to your, your wife because there's something that you're hiding that is more precious with them than with your spouse, than with your husband or wife. Why put yourself through that or why put them through that? Yeah. You know, Un- unless your conscience is so dead that so dead that you don't even feel the, the guilt of the process. So it, it was just, it was just that. I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, this guy is hugging your wife from, from behind and then you see them red handed or whatever the situation Whoa. is. She cannot even introduce you as this is my husband, what? you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so th- those kind of things. I don't know how I was coping through those things, but all I could tell you is that I was, um, the way it affected me, like they say that naturally men are hunters. And that's kind of old. It doesn't really match in our postmodern time in the way that we, it was meant to say. Yeah. But I think it, it kind of drew me in a little bit like my... My, there's something that the woman you love brings into your life mm. and it's some level of motivation. I think it kind of brought me low a little bit because it's, it's almost like it's not enough because I was thinking after all of them, before the marriage and all this trouble went through because of these guys, it is still not enough. Mm. And, and then, so that, that's school number one. School number two, you know, you know those things where, you, you know, you save people's phones, people's phone numbers, and then <laughs> there's this one person, you, the content of the message is different. Yeah. It's very suspicious. And then but you have to lie about it. You have to play some games. It is, so all of those kind of things were going on until, you know, then she, then she got into this job. This, someone helped her. This person is some when I just came to this country, it's one of the people that I, I lived with. So the, the that woman helped my then wife with a job. And then one of the guys there <laughs> started messing. This is not the first person by the way. Mm-hmm. One of the guys that started messing with my with my with my then wife. And of course I, I did not know immediately but I knew. Because this guy, that was what he, he did to to him. Anything that falls in, in his net is fish. Mm. I Because a lady who had hired my then wife told me that, you know, she should be, at that there's so and so on, on staff that, that your wife should be very careful with this person. Mm. And then she was like, no, but I know your wife. I know she's a very godly woman. 
in my mind, I just carried my <laughs> my hand on my head. I was like, oh, <laughs> it's just a matter of time. Right. So, yeah, I think she was really drawn to those, uh, whether you call them players or whatever you call them, you know. Anyways, so that was that one was really deep. I mean that I'm coming to the house. My wife is leaving almost immediately. I've been to work since morning, coming because then she wasn't working. As I'm coming, she's leaving. And then she's just gone for like four hours. She's mm. with the guy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and the way they were working, too many details, but where they were working, the person that this guy started confiding in about his relationship with my own wife, what that guy did not know is that that person he was confiding is was my very, very, very good friend. Oh he just goodness. didn't know us like that. And they all worked at the same place. Mm. So um, when I discovered, my friend didn't tell me when the guy was confiding in him, he didn't tell me immediately. It took me this particular relationship. They were just suspicions all over the head. They, they hid it very well. It took me a whole full year to figure out what was going on. Because again, remember, life happens. No, yeah. no, one, I, I, no one sits and then you are like, "Oh, let me check this." Let me. Check. We're not FBI yeah. in in relationships. No, right. no, 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 no. So things happen. You, you, you. So life is flowing. You know, you just trust that the other person is doing what they're supposed to do. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so and then this incident finally happens, and then I, <sighs> my sister, I will not, I will not forget this day that we left this occasion. And we're driving because I was like, this is too much. Why am I so not at peace? Why am I so restless? Yeah. Something is not Your right. Instincts. They said that women have that intuition, yeah, the intuition. more. Yes, mm-hmm. but that, something was, and I just asked her, even though we had had other situations before, but I mean, she, <laughs> anyways, and, uh, and then I was like, have you ever cheated on me? I mean, I was, anyways, long story short, when this story came out about, this guy at the job where she was working, there was really suspicions around, by the way. She, as soon as she leaves, some days she will leave the house super early to go pick up the guy and then go drop him back and things like that. Mm. She would turn off her phone. You, it, you know, it's just routine that sometimes a, a couple, I mean, sometimes a routine that couples have, you, you, don't, you do not really plan to, maybe you plan to, maybe my, let me just say, for example, if your husband is, you, it's just a habit for the past two years that each time you're leaving work or you're going to work or maybe during a break time something, you just call him or you text him. And then suddenly, I mean, I mean, suddenly there's no explanation. Then one party just stops, like stops 100% and it's, their phone is off. It's yeah. like, wait, I waited for your call. I called your job. You didn't pick up. And then she was like, she was there. They're like, no, this is a 30 minute. This is normally takes you maybe 20, 30 minutes, but you are, you are home like four times later than that time. I was just worried about you. I called your job and then the person said they were there. I called your cell phone. They said their cell phone was dead. And then you see that their cell phone was almost full, fully charged because they are trying to, they are trying to hide stuff and it's been a pattern, yeah. not just an isolated incident. It's been a pattern before relationship. Remember I mentioned mentioned a while ago that there were times that even during the long distance courtship, she would just disappear for like a whole weekend and then just appear. (laughs) And then she would boldly say to me, is it everywhere I go that I must, you know, that I must tell you. And then I'm confused with this kind of things. So when I finally had first-hand evidence, I, my very good friend, I, I, man, I, I called the guy, I asked him to come home. 
man, I was sobbing. I was like, <laughs> I called the guy's name at, at, the, at the job where, where my good friend was working. And then my friend just told me, it was like, he said, to be honest, that he knew. But that each time he he saw my then wife and I <laughs> together, he thought that maybe we'd trash everything. So he did not want to get involved. I understood his point. You don't want, nobody wants to be that. It's because of you yeah. that A and B are no longer together. Yeah. So now when I told my friend, and then since he now knew that I knew, he opened up a whole other chapter of the of the relationship. Mm. It was, it was, that was not the only situation because remember earlier on in our relationship, this was like years before that that time that she she told me that she she is the one keeping binding the relationship, the one holding our relationship, our marriage. Right. Because there are things that if she says the marriage should be over, I, of course, because of the based on they say you look by the records, based on the records she had kept, and you there's nothing else apart of that. It's another man financially. I mean, you cannot really do certain things. You know, it is a limited range of things you can do with finances that can go on answer. But, you know, in this context, it, it, because it's always been about those um, situations, this is not suspicion. This is not jealousy. This is not control. This is not, uh, how do you call it? It's none of those things. This is right. prima, as they will say, prima facie evidence. These are first-hand things. It, it's, it is more what I saw more what came from her own lips than it, it is really, really the one that came from third parties is very it's very minute compared to what came from our own from our own lips. But what I felt more was I thought about it. I said, how many decades have I waited? And then I'm in a marriage, not just a casual relationship. Hmm. Why am I so lonely? Why am I so yeah. empty? Why am I, you know, this scripture that a lot of people quote, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm like, so wait a minute, where's the good thing here again? (laughs) (laughs) Where's my favor? (laughs) And where's my favor? Yes. Why am I so alone? You know, it it was, it was just something. It was too much. It was that, that, it was another. So what she she did was because one of these relationships, she was pregnant for our first child, hmm. and she was messing around with this guy. And then even while after pregnant. she, sorry, while pregnant, yes, Whoa. oh yes, oh, oh yes, yeah. Oh. So she was she was messing around with um, with this guy. So even after she gave birth, she still want. You know, it, I'm sure we all know this. When you tell somebody you need to cut off from A, and then tomorrow they are still in touch with A. It's deeper than what you think. Yeah. What you're saying is just reaction. The, yeah. the foundation is, it is deep. When people get entangled yeah. emotionally, it, it, it doesn't matter if that person is um, it's an, it's an assassin or is yeah. that how you say it? It doesn't matter if that person is a murderer or whatever. Yeah. The emotions can go really deep. She was already in a very, her heart was fast and she was finding really hard to disentangle. Yeah. So, and, and things like that. So, but this is what, this is, because now she was pregnant, and I mean, she now now she had given birth. They could not meet at work again because she was out for a couple of for a couple of weeks. So guess what she was doing? When I come like to the room, to the room, you know what she would, she would do? She would, with a little with our young child, she would put the child where I would normally sleep. I mean, she would do those things <laughs> just to get me out of the room. Hmm. 
and, and this came from her from her own lips later. I'm, I'm like, how do you spite me so much? And then you yeah. later you're telling me. For me, that was that was another level. That was for me. I might be wrong, and I'm not an expert of that. For me, that was very narcissistic. And, yeah, but yeah. but she did she did that. But that was her way to keep me away from her, so that she can have a free text time or whatever time with um with a guy because. I have to go to work tomorrow. You know, if the child is here and I cannot really, I cannot really um, have a sound sleep, then I may just go to the next room and sleep for a couple of hours. So that's so it went on, but I, I did not really notice it. Even though I picked some things because it, it's hard to be in love with two people at the same time. Yeah, I don't know how Solomon is. did it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so. So, but so I, I I was on the playhouse. I was the one. He had nothing to lose. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I was on who was craving for intimacy. So I was one who was d- d- draining. Who was very who was being isolated yeah. and and things like that. So I mean, so it the the adultery it, 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 it's a part of the facts or the act itself. It can really drain a man. Yeah. It can really drain a man psychologically, emotionally. I've heard a lot of stories here how maybe a man has done this or that to his wife because he caught them in the act and things that, you know, the the man ended up in prison. I can understand, to be honest with you, why they did that. I mean, I don't condone with it. I don't condone with it, but you can can see how you are pushed to a spot or to Mm. a place where you just... You just you just don't even know what uh, what else to do. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if a man can win an argument with a woman. <laughs> in, in this, yeah, I went against my word. Whether it's among whether it's with a counselor or something, you just have to trust that. I know some men who can be very manipulative and yeah. very cunning and things like that. So yeah. let's just balance it goes that both up. ways. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So it goes both ways. So in in this context, you know, I, I felt I felt helpless. I felt empty. I felt very low, and and I asked myself several times why she decided to be in the relationship. Because so many times over the years in the relationship, I was like, "You, no one is forcing you to be here. Yeah. I am here, but yeah. if you don't want to be here, I cannot make you." Why is it that the least thing you're only talking of a you're talking of a of, of a divorce or, or this or that? Yet you are looking for you think that is because she really wants to be with someone. No, because she, this month she's jumping with this person. Six months later, it is someone else. So yeah. that alone spoke. I don't think she was proud of that. So that alone spoke volumes, uh, you know, in in and of themselves. Yeah. It, it made the home very unstable. How do you agree together? How do you get, I, I hope this is a PG word, but how do you get intimate with your wife, with yeah. your whole mind, knowing that someone else is helping themselves? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> all, all of those things, they were very torturous, yeah. like torturous um, in, in, a, in a way that, you know, it's almost inexplicable. Yeah, it's 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 so sad. I'd say it's rather sad that, you know, we women, you know, the common narrative is that, you know, men are players. Women are the ones who are always trying to stick it up for the man in the relationship. Yeah. Women are always compromising. I know. I mean, I said the last time that, you know, our community, um, it's always been the norm for women to the man, woman, children, sorry, the man, children and the family ahead of them to the point that they lose themselves. But that does yeah. not exclude the fact that men too don't go through that, you 
you know, because men actually do go through that. And I mean, it's always the good ones, right? Like, you know, the good men, you know, yeah. who have all the attributes in the Bible, they will do anything for their family. But sometimes, you know, they end up in bad situations, which are mm -hmm. definitely not or obviously not of their making, you know. So um, it's rather unfortunate and sad that this had to happen. And people, especially my African peers and my African folks listening to this, I honestly and truly do not want you to mistake this for weakness. This is not weakness. This is actually the highest form of strength and power by being this vulnerable and really seeing because I don't think you're the first person who has been through that and you probably would not be the last. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely the reality that most or some men go through behind the scenes, but they're just not bold enough to step up and talk about it. And that's why I'm super excited um, about this episode. And I mean, I'm so glad that you came with it as an open book, like told me from the get go. And you are being yeah. as, you know, as explicit as possible, which I think is very important, you know, and I hope that you start a trend for other men to step up and also speak their truth and speak their story so that we can actually get both sides to the story of the reality of what happens in our Afghan community. Now, yeah. I mean, as a man throughout this entire ordeal, how did you feel like, I mean, how were your emotions? Like how was the reaction from the community? And I know that um, sometimes Especially, yeah. I mean, I know you're a Christian. You're a very good Christian. And um, sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's I, I kind of have a feeling that we find ourselves in trouble sometimes, especially in terms of um, things in life, like marriage. We find mm -hmm. ourselves in trouble or we find ourselves acting too late because yeah. um, of our Christian values. It's like we hold on so much more to those Christian values that, again, we get blindsided by the reality of things and it probably sometimes ends up being very detrimental than we had expected. Like, I mean, God made marriage, right? Who He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So it's like your wife is treating yeah. you like trash, but you find your entire Christian li life, you spend your entire Christian life looking for that good thing that God promised you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So um, it's, 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 I, I feel like this discussion will be like for a different time, but it's sometimes hard as a Christian to, um, to separate or to reconcile being a Christian and also knowing when to to be a like to be a rational human. I mean, a Christian should be a rational human, obviously, yeah. but sometimes we get entangled between the Christian beliefs and what's should be done maybe legally or, you know, in a different aspect. So, um uh, I just want to know how as a Christian man, a confident Christian man going through all of this, this entire ordeal Yes. And how did you feel? How did you feel about yourself? How did you feel about the situation? How did you feel about the community's reactions from family, friends, and even the church? Just how did you feel? Yes. Um, thank you so much. Um, so someone said that um, the problem is not marriage because it's God who created marriage. Right. So the problem... You know how the Bible says in the Genesis, and when whatever God created, he saw that it was good. So the problem is not marriage, but it is the people in the marriage. That's what that is where it comes from. And you know, so when we talk about like the whole journey, right? I, I think that um sometimes it's our interpretation or misinterpretation of the scripture. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because let's not forget that that same God, we like to talk about his mercy, his grace, but the Bible says that he's a God of justice. Mm. So so sometimes we, when 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 it's a, there's a time and a place for that, we cannot, that is part of God's nature. If we deny that, then he, he ceases to be God. <laughs> if we think we're joking, you know, Jesus was a perfect example of his, of his, of his father. Look yeah. at, he was not happy with whatever was going in the, tem- in the temple. And the guy took out a whip and get the, got the behinds of those people <laughs> because he didn't like what was going on. So where, where was the mercy there? You know what I mean? Yeah. They thought it was just, was just one nice, softy. No, he balanced things up. When he had to rebuke, he rebuked. He rebuked. And I, I think that even in our situation, like, like the situation that I, I went through, you know, um, the, the Bible has the right kind of prescriptions for everything. But sometimes it's our, inter, inter, our interpretation. I, let me just go to my case, for example. I felt like there was a time that I had to apply justice. Justice is not revenge. I thought yeah. there was a time that I had to apply justice. I would have got out of certain situations quicker and sooner, but I did not. Please hear me out. I am not a divorce advocate. I'm yeah. a firm believer in healthy relationships, in marriage, and stuff like that. And that is the reason why I also made certain mistakes because I just, I just, I didn't, I was indecisive and time was going by, you know, mm. and then uh, advantage was taken of me when it came to the legal system. There was a period where I had to act justly. The power I had during that period was a protective order. At that time, she had no say, literally none. Whatever I said would have would have gone through. Mm-hmm. That period passed by, the one year went through, I did not take any action. And so she took advantage of that. It, it, so I, God, this, even the Bible gives us legal grounds for divorce. Either direct, it does not mean that the Bible condones divorce. Yeah. One of them is adultery. Another one is, ab- is abandonment. And then there may be some gray areas which the Bible does not talk about directly, like when it comes to, what do you call it now? Like in case of domestic violence yeah, and abuse, abuse, you can't just leave someone there and then and then they die. And I listened to the last podcast and this lady talked about what happened with their with her parents. I bless God for them. That's awesome. That's their journey. That's their story. Yeah. So, but in, in this situation, like, like, like we're talking about, there are situations where the Bible gives room for those. And along the way, like, like you mentioned, I, I like the quote that you put at the end of your email. It says that, remember, if you're headed in the wrong direction, God allows U-turns. Um, the Allison quotes you, 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 you had. Thank so, you. Yes. So, but it, it has, God allows U-turns. If, but he does not take our legs and U-turns it for us. We have to, we have to. make those steps. And so where I failed to take those steps, you know, you know, advantage was taken up. Is it because God just wanted me to just be and just suffer and things like that? No. So I, I think that the, the Bible kind of balanced these things up, you know, our, because if we say we are Christians, it, it, it may just, it may just be, it may be someone saying that I am a, I'm a nurse, um, but they don't know the basic things. They don't even know how to, you know, to apply first aid, and, and, and things like that. It, so it, the problem is them. It's not the creator of those procedures, you know, when someone is going through a situation. And so those are all some of the things. It's different when someone just wakes up and say, oh, okay, I'm tired of you. I don't want to be with you anymore. And things like that. I don't know if that makes, um, I don't know if that makes any little sense yeah, at all. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Okay. Now going to like, you know, how you felt as a man 
throughout the entire experience from you know just the 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 roller coaster of the whole relationship to the marriage and um you know how your your community your close your circle how they reacted towards everything um how your family reacted how your friends reacted even how the church reacted to everything like yeah. how what, what what is you what was your perspective on that basically what was your experience personally on everything with regards to everything and then your perspective on how the community reacted and what you would have loved for them to do um you know this is this is loaded like i keep saying everything was a journey it was not like a project that you just got it and then it was done everything was unprecedented i just didn't know what 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 was going on so to <laughs> i actually had to buy a book on spiritual abuse to just check my own spiritual values hmm. you know if the church where i was going if i was being if I was voluntarily allowed myself to be controlled. So there is religion and there's Christianity. So I was just trying to find answers for myself. Why is this pastor, why is this person trying to pressure me back into this abusive relationship? Hmm. What is their point? So are they wow. listening to me? There were situations where, you know, one of the pastors was saying that he feels disrespected, that he's calling me and I'm not picking up my phone. And then I was like, since when did domestic abuse become about his respect? And I, I just felt like he did not even understand what was going on. So take oh note, goodness. I'm talking about my close people, a closely knit community that we had built for years. We've done a lot of good things together. And then as after I got married, it started falling down one after another. I noticed something anytime for the most part, if a third party got involved to, <laughs> to help yeah. it, it, before I knew it, I was on the, what I was on the defensive side. It, mm. it, it, it looks like it just didn't matter what I said. So you, how it, I started, I started, it was a very rude awakening. I'm talking about my friends. Wow. I'm talking about my church the church I was going to at that time, I'm talking about the the children, one was at a daycare and the other was in, you know, in an elementary school. I'm talking about those places. In the daycare, you know, at some point when the legal process was going on, there was, there there was enough, there were things that they said to me that would have worked against their, um, their, 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 their mom. But Mm -hmm. all of the ladies there, because 99% of them were ladies, they all withheld the information. The same thing happened at the school where my, my, my son, my son was. So it's, and then at some point I also went to court just to get advice. And the lady was with, there was already warning me that be careful. Watch. So, so I, I did not, it was so hard to see someone who came alongside with me as if the abuse wasn't enough. I felt a, I felt like, I felt a lot of isolation. I felt like I was being isolated and I felt like, you know, people came on her side mm. <laughs> to just kind of support her. I mean, I like this, you know, like they say, they, when, even when men cry, they cry differently yeah. than when women do. So I guess I didn't shed enough tears. I guess I, so it was just a lot of things. It, it gave me an an eye into the society. Mm. We can preach all the gospel we want. We can say whatever we want. But when push comes to shove, it begins to reveal. Ooh, you know, yeah. the, it's like an onion that you're on. You are you are removing the layer one at a time. You begin to see the real substance inside. Yeah. And what I can tell you is that it was harder 
even though I, at that at that time, because it was like a two year period where I had the kids primarily, mm-hmm. but but I will tell you that it, it, it almost felt harder for me. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, is it insults? Is it threatening um, voice messages? Mm. I'm talking people that were work together. Is it? I mean, people that I've known for like two decades from Africa yeah. and back and here. Even some of them, they're trying to. They 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 actually try to send me emails and stuff. You know, to like you know, you guys should get back together and stuff like that. And when they realized that I was not succumbing, they turned against me. In, in fact, at least one of them that I knew so well before I got married. One of them actually was one of who actually testified against me in court. So that's how, Whoa. that is how, yes, that is how, um, that's how terrible it was on every front, on every front. And to my own pain, I just had to abandon a whole community that we've been together, we had been together for at least seven to 10 years, you know, here in my state. And just because it was almost like just starting life all over again. It is different when you are five. It is mm. different when you are fifteen. Imagine what military kids go through to build this, to build the same friendship for a long period of time. Because maybe this year they are deployed in yeah, A. Next year, yes, yes. So imagine myself as an adult. I, as for the most part, it, there's uh, the exceptions, of course. But for the most part, as we grow older, our circle of our circle of friends kind of reduces Reduce, to a more qualitative yeah. one. Now, so just think about it. These people that you trusted, you know, are the very people now who are being weaponized against you. So you have to start back again from afresh. And so that is how it spelled, especially because the kids were with me. I'm telling mm. you that some people who had spoken some things in confidence that they knew when some things came out, you know, they they <laughs> they came out with all kinds of weapons. The only thing was that they could not get me. I moved. I mean that I moved from one county to another county to mm. just stay away from the noise. So it was, and what really gave me consolation was the, this, the, the month it happened by the following month, I was looking for help for my heart. So I had to enroll in a 13 week um, divorce care program. It was actually for people going through separation or divorce. It was not people, it's not like they're telling you stuff that you want to hear, but it's trying, they're telling you things to really help your heart. Yeah. I had to go through, I'm telling you, I had to ask myself a lot of questions in the process with my own heart, you know, what is happening to me? I was trying to find the road to healing. I was trying to deal with such my own heart. If there's any anger and facing my own loneliness, my own depression, you know, and all of those things. And I was just thinking of a new community, new relationships in terms of the people that I am meeting. And then there's a financial side. There's a side of children. There's yeah. a side of you getting single again and all of that. You have to think about forgiveness. You have to yeah. think about how you work with this person too because you all have kids together. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to go through you know those things step by step because I, I i was determined i did not want i could not for at least for the sake of my children i could not allow myself to get into a place of depression because i've yeah. heard several stories here in the u.s of men who've been so knocked down by a divorce or by a, a an adulterous scandal to the point where they could not focus on their job and then they end up getting fired so they lost all <laughs> they lost their kids they lost yeah. their spouse then they lost their job and then they were just miserable right. and so i could not really allow myself so i had to really go through that you know i had to go through a whole like forgiveness thing several times i had to write notes it's like writing notes to her but i'll burn it just to let yeah. it go 
Yes. Yeah. And things like that. When people hear forgiveness, they think it's like, oh, no, you're just coming back. No, forgiveness yeah. is not minimizing the hurt of the offense. Right. It's not trying to go back to trust. You must not reconcile. Right. It's not like you've forgotten the things. Yeah. Or, and, and it was over and over. The forgiveness was not like a one-time thing. Yeah, because sometimes some things just hit you and you, you have to be strong. Otherwise, you will start before you know. See, your mind has taken you that if this thing did not happen financially, I could have, would have, should have, yeah. could have, would have, and should have, have never helped anyone. Right. I would have been here. So it was just at those different levels. It took some time. Some of the relationships, some of the relationships, I, I just had to give you time again. Some of the relationships, I, I chose with tears to abandon them for years. And I chose to go back to some of them because I, I heard what they were saying and I chose to shut the door from that because they were not going to help. It was going to destroy our friendship. And yeah. I went back, not when, I did not go back to go tell my own side of the story, no, but to just continue the friendship. It is okay we can disagree on matters of this or matters of that. And then for some of them, I just, I just, I just, I just abandoned mm. because it even so happened that one of the people who was even messing with my, <laughs> with my, um, with my, um, my then wife was one of my own, was one of my own close friends. Oh Each had goodness. a similar issue and a similar background. So I had to really just choose not to make it about a person, but about really my own heart. Because I just didn't want to get crazy. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh my goodness. Depression. Yeah. Whoa, that's that's uh, so much that you went through, and thank you for sharing that. I mean, like you said, I mean, I I strongly believe that sometimes when people do the worst to us, you know, um, we forgive not because of that. Yes. Like for like unforgiveness is like prison it's like a jail cell like yes. as long as you stay in unforgiveness you stay within the boundaries of that jail cell the only way that you can free yourself from that bondage is if you forgive that person so most of the times forgiveness is for you and not even for the other person is to yeah. free yourself from that situation or that predicament in order for you to move on you know so um a lot of people have to really um, understand that forgiveness is not a sign of weakness it's actually yes. doing more for yourself than you could ever imagine you know and releasing yeah. yourself of all the all the pain you know by forgiveness now um it's, you yeah. know, it's a lot of things that you said. Um, I'm, I'm learning about them. You know, they, they, they now seem more real in terms of how men could equally be treated. And that's why I really want men to, to step up and speak because women have spoken for so long. You know yes. what I mean? Um, I was always under the impression that it the it's the women who were not being listened. Yeah. It's the women who you know everybody would be like because I have personally experienced some of my older female friends who have gone through divorce who have gone through extremely unfair situations, especially in the church. And it tends yes. to be the church people, the pastors, who will make you to ask for forgiveness for what the other person has done. Like yes. that is utterly ridiculous, you know. Mm. And um and, and that's very uh rampant in the African churches. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that should not be normal. That we have to really, really speak against that. Strongly speak against that. And um I mean, I did not know that men are not being listened to in this situation as much as women. Now, yeah. I feel like what is 
common in our African community is that we don't really like change. We don't like when the story is different. We always want the story or the re- to fit the rhetoric, right? So yeah. when things are changing, like when the story seems unusual, we either say it's a lie or we just don't want to even listen to the person. We could say the yeah. person is complaining because I, from what you spoke about, there are three things that were very unusual in a typical society. The man being abused, that's number one. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's very unusual to hear that. Oh, this man was abused to the point of almost being killed. And then yeah. the second one is the man having custody of kids. The yeah. African community will look at the man as the wicked one. Like normally kids are supposed to be with their mothers. Right. And then mm. the third one is like, you know, women, the woman who is being adulterous and the man is not doing anything. Like yeah. your friends could probably be laughing at you. Like you, you let a woman do that to you. Like you should be the one, you know, like doing that and stuff like that. So we're, we're so accustomed to a certain way of things or normal things that happen normally in our community that it's hard for us to really believe yes. when the story goes the other way. You know, and that is what I would call on our African community to change because that is utterly dangerous from everything that you went through and how mm-hmm. you felt. Um, I mean, any it takes a strong person because any other person who was mentally drained, physically abused, um, emotionally drained, like you could easily fall into a deep depression and probably even be suicidal. You know what yeah. I mean? But um Thankfully, you're here today. You stood the test of time. But then again, the same people that you thought were supposed to be for you were actually against you. They turned Mm -hmm. their back. You know, in our African community, we always want people to listen to us, but we don't want to listen to other people. You know, you're the one with the problem and you come to me to confide in me. First of all, I don't even appreciate the fact that you are being vulnerable. That's like a vulnerable yeah. state that you're in. You know, mm-hmm. I just take what you tell me without really having that empathy. And I just want, I'm more interested in you listening to what I have to say. And then when you're having a hard time listening to it because your emotions are flying all over the place and you think that I don't understand you, I get offended that you're disrespecting yeah. me. <laughs> Very you know, true. That you're disrespecting me. Like it doesn't make sense. Yes. Like at the end of the day, we have to know that it's about the victim. It's not about us. If someone comes to you for you, I mean, to confide in you and for you to maybe give them advice, which I don't even think that it's right for us to give anybody advice um, if we're not a professional, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're giving advice. It's it's probably going to be biased or it's probably going to be from our perspective, but you have to really experience that ordeal in order for you to appreciate what you've gone through to even be able to give advice. So sometimes people just want to be heard. Like the victims yeah. just want to be heard and you can console them or you can recommend help. But I think we should refrain from giving advice if we're not professionals as well, you know, and we should also try to have that empathy. Empathy goes a very long way. You may not have a lot to say. You may not have a lot to do. But if you if you try to have empathy towards people's situations, it goes it definitely goes a long way. I mean, empathy actually is a silent act of just, you know, listening and making the other person feel like they're understood and they're listened to. You know, sometimes yeah. that's what people just want, especially when you're in a situation that you don't even know what to do about. And you know that nobody else can even help you out of that situation. You know, sometimes you just want people to listen to you. So there's so much to unpack from here. And I really urge everyone to really carefully listen to this episode and and try to get as many lessons. Try to look at your own life. Look at your relationships with your friends. Are you checking on them? Are you listening? 
you want to be heard, but are you listening? We have to always make sure that, you know, we can be there for the people who we love and who love us. And yeah. we should also take care of ourselves. That's most important. And I'm very glad that you, at the end of the day, decided to fight for yourself because nobody will fight for you. You sought the help, went mm. after rebuilding yourself. I mean, yeah. I... It's, it's, it's amazing because nothing has changed between when we have been talking the last couple of years and now, even though I did not really understand what you were going through. But yeah. I'm so glad that you did all of that to get yourself back because it's very easy to lose yourself in this situation. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to stop talking because I can keep going on and on, <laughs> you know. Uh, so the last question I have for you, like what message do you have for men in a similar situation? Um, um, number one... <laughs> It's okay for men to be vulnerable. Yeah. And if you need to cry, <laughs> you cry. Right. And yes. And number two is that um, men to do go through um, abuse, yeah. maybe emotional, financial, physical, or you name it. It is okay to seek for the appropriate help. Do not wait until it's too late. And things like that. No, number three um, for men is that, you know, let's, if we're in a relationship, we are in it. Let's yeah. be, let's be vocal. Like the Bible says, being one another's keeper. Yeah. You know, the moment we start giving room for how, what's, um, they say that relationships naturally drift apart. The moment we start giving room to drift apart, you may, you may think you know the person you are dealing with, but you know people change over time, yeah. and it's it's really good to to be in a place. Let us, I mean, marriage. It's this is still for men that marriage is sacred, but it's not a secret. It's sacred. S A C R E D. Yes. So yeah. it's okay to be in a healthy community where people can check on one another. There is no need to be putting this Facebook front or yeah. whatever, social media front of everything is okay when it's not. Get help sooner than later. Yeah. Put that pride down and then get to the bottom of things. Even if the bottom is something that you, is an uncomfortable discovery, it, it will be helpful to move on and to move forward. Right, right. Yeah. Wow, thank you. That was so powerful. I mean, you would think, and this is the listeners, you would think this is the end of it, but there is still so much more to be unpacked in another episode. Yeah. And that we and and then we will be touching about we will be touching on divorce, the divorce, like the whole process, the experience and everything. So please stay tuned for that in the upcoming episodes. Now, um, I just want to thank you, Femi, for being this vulnerable this has been such a very if not probably one of the most powerful episodes i've had um this is such an eye-opener um from a societal hopefully and a personal level you know um i have so much more appreciation for you than ever i just cannot thank you enough for opening up and i hope that you opening up will open up the door for other men to step up and talk about their story because we need to hear more men speaking up. We need to normalize that men also have emotions. We need to normalize that yes. men can cry. We need to normalize that men are, are also human, emotional humans as women are as much as women you know yes. we just need to normalize that men can be good fathers men can be good single fathers we need yeah. to normalize the fact that men through get 
emotionally abused, mentally abused, verbally abused, and physically abused as well. So I just want to thank you. And this is an urge to everyone out there from our community. Please just be nice to one another. Please, if you find yourself in a situation, be be alert enough to walk away from it before it turns out to be tragic. And um, I'm very glad that you did not let that happen because you're here to tell your story. But that yeah. may not have been the same situation in many other relationships. And I just mm-hmm. want us to be more understanding of each other and welcoming of other perspectives, welcoming of other stories that may not sound usual, but receiving those stories without being judgmental and knowing that people, this is people's reality and this is what people go through that you may not even be aware of so let's just check on our loved ones let's be there show love receive love and i hope to see everyone on the next episode well we're gonna talk later bye that's it for today thank you for listening to our show if you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com also don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at living african podcast you can also connect with anyo directly on facebook or instagram at anyo Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.